Hallelujah. Were you guys ready for the word this morning? Uh, well, too bad. I'm not ready yet. Got one more thing that I wanted to say. Um, uh, next week, we're going to start a new series. So we're ending this series here this week, and we're going to start a new one. Uh, actually, next week, uh, Pastor Joseph is going to be preaching. And then after that, I'll be starting a new series on the Trinity. We're going to spend about five weeks talking about what is the Trinity, and then um, each, each uh, person of the Godhead will be going through. So we'll talk about uh, God the Father, and then Jesus will do in two parts. Um, we're going to do uh, Jesus fully man and Jesus fully God, two different uh, messages, and then we'll, we'll do a message on the Holy Spirit. So not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, we'll start on that series just so you're ready for it and uh, uh, make sure you don't miss any of those. So now are you ready for the word? Well, too bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're ready. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your great love. Father, we thank you that we can come together and meet and study your word and spend time in your presence. Father, we thank you that we can come together and worship you as a congregation because you alone are worthy of our praise, all honor, and all glory. And Father, we want to give that to you this morning. I pray this morning that as we uh, dive into your word, that our hearts would be ready to receive what you have for us, that we would grow that we would mature, and, uh, and just every day we would, we would know you more. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and finish up uh, the series of who we are, the culture of Living Hope Family Church. And today the, the, uh, the title is, is Empower. If you remember the last two weeks, we talked about kind of our, our motto as a church. And it's, it's, we, we have three things that we want to do. We want to evangelize the lost. We want to equip the saints, and then we want to empower those saints to step out into the calling or to the ministry that God has for them. So two weeks ago, we talked about uh, evangelizing. That's the one thing. We want to tell people about Jesus. We want to introduce them to the one who gave his life for them so that they could be free, that they could be pure, that they could be righteous. And that's the first step. But as Christians, we don't just want to make converts. How many know we're not called to make converts? We're called to make disciples. So that's the second part. We want to equip people to be ready to, to do their work in the ministry. One, when they're, they're new believers, we want to teach them the basics of the gospel. We want to walk alongside them, teach them the word. And as they grow, we want to continue to train them so that they're ready for what we're going to talk about today. And as a church, we want to empower people to step out into their ministry, to step out and actually make an impact in the kingdom of God. And empowering people to step out and make an impact, it's, it's more than just, how many of us more than just going out and planning a church, right? It ranges from the littlest of things to the biggest of things. When you were volunteering in the church, and you remember uh, right before all this happened, I was thinking, ah, so, several Sundays ago, but I guess we had two and a half months of not regular Sundays in the middle. But several months ago, we, we, we did the, uh, uh, the opportunity for people to step out and volunteer and be part of what we're doing and serve in the church. And we had a great response to that. Now, each and every one of those people that are responding is being empowered to step out in some form into their ministry. Sometimes it starts small, and, and, and sometimes it's big. You know, there was a point that I had to step out and plant a church, but I didn't start there. I started doing little stuff. I started by helping, um, uh, I remember when we were in the other church, we actually went and, and uh, built the new church, and we went in there and laid tile and, and uh, worked on the bathrooms and did all of that stuff, and, and swept floors and mopped floors and did all of those things, but that was all part of me growing in my ministry and being empowered to step out into ministry, and that's what we want to do here for everybody in the church. 
And the truth is, is that the, the, the kingdom of God, the church, needs all kinds of people that are willing to serve. And it's in every area. There's the stuff that nobody wants to do. But I'm so thankful that we have people that volunteer to do that. But that's to vacuum the floors and, and, and clean the toilets. Nobody wants to do that. Remember when you're using the restroom, somebody else is cleaning that. So go ahead and uh, do your best to, to aim well for you guys. For you girls, if you're not aiming well, we got a whole different problem. I'll get you set up with my wife. We'll get some counseling. <laughs> but uh, uh, hey, let's go ahead and, and make sure we're keeping stuff clean because there are people that are volunteering and serving in the kingdom of God to take care of that stuff. And they're, they're having to work even harder now to make sure that everything is sanitized and clean with all this virus nonsense going around. But it's not just the bad stuff. You know, there's upfront ministries, right? We need uh, musicians and singers and all of those things. We need teachers, people that are teaching our children, um, and, and graphic artists, technical people. I thank God for, for Michael and Matt who are back there running the sound and all the, all the uh, other equipment that we have going on so that we're streaming the service right now. Um, so that way people that aren't even here can still hear the Word of God and, and we can still have an impact in their life. But there's all kinds of areas that we can serve, and we, as a church, we want to, one, get people saved, get them through the basics of Christianity, help disciple them so they become strong, mature Christians, and then we want to help them start actually serving in the church and then see where it goes from there, because you never know if you're going to be the next great missionary or the next great evangelist, or if you're going to be a pastor and plant a church, but we want to empower people to do that. You know, one of the hardest things about uh, uh, being a pastor and, uh, is, is when you do have to send people out. It's great when you can train them and they can work and you build relationships, but there comes a point where some people that, that you're going to send them out, and that's a hard thing to do, but that's what's needed for the kingdom of heaven to grow so that more people can hear the gospel. Amen? The reality is, is there are so many ways to serve the Lord, and we want to make sure as a church that we're providing every opportunity for people to do so so that they are prepared, they're equipped, and they're supported all of the way. So the thing is, is if you have a call in your life, here has a call, in the, a call of God on their life. Everybody should be raising your hand. God has something for you. Whether you, whether you want to do it or not, God has something for you. I know how that feels. God told me I was going to be a pastor, and we duked it out for a couple years. I lost in the end, but uh, I wasn't happy about that idea at first, if I'm being honest. But the truth is, is that you have a call on your life. God wants you to be doing something. And as a church, we want to make it our culture, our identity, our, our habit to help people step out into what God has called them to do. Amen? So let's look at the first scripture today. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is written, there are many parts, yet one body. Now you guys know that I love this analogy of the body, the body of Christ. Really, if you think about it, I mean... God is so amazing how he sets stuff up so we can understand. I mean, everybody can understand how a body works. And everybody can understand that a, your body needs a head to direct and guide. And who's the head of the body? 
Christ. So like these simple analogies to help us understand what the church is and what the gospel is. And here's one that we, we all can understand. You want to know why you can understand it so easily? Because you have a body. Since you were born, you had one. And you've been figuring out how it works. And the, the thing is, is that we, we understand in our body that all the different parts have to work together. And anytime a part doesn't work the way it's intended, then we run into issues. We have stuff that we have to overcome. There, there are problems that happen. And every part of our body has a job to do. If I didn't have a mouth, it would be very difficult for you to understand me. That was good stuff, I'm telling you. That would have changed your life if I, if I would have had a mouth at the moment to, to share with you. See, the thing is, is we, we have to have the parts of our body to make an impact for what we're doing. And that God has put you in this body for a reason, for a purpose. You have a role to play. And we always run into issues, you know, with the, the top shelf roles, right? Fortunately, in a small church, typically we're closer. We talk about it. It's not that big of a deal, but there still comes times when we run into jealousy or issues like that because we view certain roles as like top shelf roles, right? Everybody wants to be up front doing the big things, but nobody wants to do the stuff in the back. But the truth is, is that, that all parts of the body have to work together. It's a symbiotic fashion that, that if we all don't come together, then the, if, there's, if there's no worship team, then worship looks different. It's not the same. If there's nobody running the stuff in the back, it makes things a whole lot more difficult. If there's not somebody that's arranging the chairs or vacuuming the floors or teaching the kids, any part that's missing causes an issue. So the, the reality is, is that we all need one another if we're going to function the way that God intends us to function. And something we all have to understand as well is sometimes um, as a servant, which is your ultimate calling, all of us, all of us are called to serve. That means that we're going to have to operate in different areas in different parts of our lives, in different parts of our ministries. And sometimes we're going to have to operate in areas that we just don't want to do it. You know, here at this church, you know, we, have, we ask for volunteers. And that's the, you know, the stuff that people want to do. That's what people volunteer for. And the stuff that people don't want to do, that's when we volunteer you to do it. Instead of ask for volunteers, you get voluntold. But... Uh, uh, the reality is, is that there's every part has to be taken care of. And sometimes our calling and our ministry is going to change as we grow. And sometimes someone else is doing the work that you should be doing. You know, one of the things that I pray is that, that there's never a time where somebody else had to do the work that God called me to do. And in Acts chapter 6, 1 through 4, you, you can see that being discussed. You remember that's when the, the, the widows weren't being fed. The Hellenistic widows weren't being fed. And, and they came to the apostles and said, you guys got to do something about this. And you get the impression, the expectation was the, God, the, the, the apostles were going to be the ones making sure that the, the widows were being fed, that they were going to be the ones pouring out the soup. But they said, no, you know what? We prayed about this, we talked about this, and, and we're going to get volunteers to help out in this area because it is not good for us to neglect the teaching of the Word and prayer. You see, what can happen is, though, is... is Sometimes, what, what, if, what if none of the volunteers would have said yes, then the apostles would have had to do I have no doubt the apostles would have done what needed to be done. But then what would have happened? They would have neglected the other areas that God called them to do. So we see that if people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, somebody, the, how many know the job's still got to get done? 
You know, and I pray, like I said, I pray that, that nobody else has to do the job that God called me to do because I don't want to be a hindrance to the body. I want to help the body be effective. I want to help people get to know Jesus. And I never want to be the reason why somebody didn't get the opportunity. Amen. And that's the thing. You can tell when a piece of the, the body is missing. You can tell when there is something not the way that it is intended to be. You can tell when stuff's not where it's supposed to be either. I mean, how many of you have looked at some of Van Gogh's stuff and went, well, that looks just about right? Because the ears where the nose is supposed to be and the eye is where the mouth is supposed to be. Stuff's not where it's supposed to be. And we see that there's something wrong. And when that happens, the body doesn't operate as it's intended to operate. My son, who just had uh, uh, severe, uh, massive back surgery because he had pretty severe scoliosis, came back after the surgery. He's like an inch and a half taller. But before the surgery was done, his body wasn't working the way it was intended to work. He was having severe pain, and he couldn't do certain things. And there were shelves he couldn't reach. And, uh, but there was, there, was, there was something that happened when, when, when he got that repaired. Now we're seeing something different. His body is working more like it's intended to work. And the same goes true in the body of Christ. When we're missing parts, when stuff's not where it's supposed to be, the body doesn't function as God intended it to be. And if people don't step out into their calling, we begin to ask these questions. Who's going to do the preaching? Who's going to do the teaching? Who's going to do the singing? Who's going to clean? Who's going to do the website? Who's going to run the sound? Who's going to take care of the kids? Who's going to lead the youth? All of these things. Who's going to do the accounting? What about the administration? And there's so much more to a church that you don't even think about. How many know that we need people to do accounting? Thank God Jan has, has volunteered for that, so I don't have to do it so much. And it means so Monique doesn't have to come in as much either. Monique's a treasurer uh, on our board, and, and she doesn't have to do it every week anymore. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that we have people that have stepped up to do all these different areas. And I'm, I'm still waiting for God to send others. I'm not called to be a worship leader, but I do it because we need someone to do it. So I'm praying that God would send somebody in that is actually called to do that, that is skilled to do that, that is gifted to do that, so that I can let somebody else take that role and I can focus on the things that I need to do. But the other part that's important, that even though we're all different pieces of the same body, we're still of the same body. We're still one body. We still come together. We still, we're still one. And I just want to encourage you, you have an important role to play. And we want to help you do that, amen? Because every member is important. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 27. As we go on, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which, you are more, which are more presentable parts, presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And then there may be no division in the body. That the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. And now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So when I worked my very first job, I worked at a JB's. Anybody remember JB's? Back in the day, I lived in Service, Arizona. First job was at a JB's. 
and I got that entry-level position, the dishwasher. Anybody ever been a dishwasher? Man, it is, it is, uh, it's gross, if I'm being honest. I mean, you're getting all the plates back that people have been in the, the silver, it's, it, it's a rough job. And it's like the lowest paying job in the restaurant too because apparently you can get any monkey to do it so they don't pay you anything to do it. So I was the monkey that volunteered and it was my first job. And uh, uh, that's how it works when you don't have a job. When you never had a job before, right? You got to get the job that's easiest, that doesn't require any skills. Definitely not glamorous. And uh, I had a desire to work. And they went, that'll do so i came in and and i started doing that job but what i I began to realize over time and especially i began to realize this as i moved up in my career you know eventually i made it i was a cook and then later in in my career in restaurant before i went to college and and did all that stuff you know then i was a server for a while and uh as a server or as a cook you realize it when the dishwasher is not there how many of you know that if you're a cook and the dishwasher is not there, you're not going to have your, your, your pots and pans that you need. You're not going to have your plates to serve the food. If you're a server, you want to get the food out to your customer. And if there's no plates, there's nothing to put the food on. And none of us would be happy if the server came out with just a handful of food and dropped it on the table in front of us. You need the plates. The plates are important. And that's when I began to realize the lowliest position in a restaurant is one of the most important the restaurant can't function without a dishwasher. The restaurant just won't go, won't move. And it turns out the lowliest position, the, 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 the grossest position, the one that nobody wanted to do was super important to make sure the restaurant kept functioning uh, equivalent. You know, what's funny though is that sometimes the, the highest rated positions, you can almost go a little bit longer without those. In, uh, let me read you a story. In March of 1981, uh, President Reagan was shot by John Hinckley Jr. and was hospitalized for several weeks. And all, although Reagan was the nation's chief executive, his hospitalization had little impact on the nation's activity. Government continued on. On the other hand, suppose the garbage collectors in this country went on strike as they did long ago in Philadelphia. That city was not only in a literal mess, the pile of decaying trash became a health hazard. A three-week nationwide strike would paralyze the country. So who is more important, the president or the garbage collectors? Amen. We began to see that, that the positions of, of lower honor uh, in the people's eyes really have greater impact. It's funny, as a, as a pastor, you know, one of the things, and, and, and I've talked to many pastors about this and and. We kind of all go through it, and, and we have to uh, one day get it through that, that you don't actually have to be there every Sunday. It's okay to take a Sunday off and let people take care of stuff because it turns out that I only do a small part on a Sunday morning. Like all the other stuff that happens is happening by other people. And, and uh, if I have to take a Sunday off, church is going to go on. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go on because every part works together. I cannot be here. Joseph can, Pastor Joseph can preach, no problem. And matter of fact, that's happened so many times, and I'm so thankful for it. You know, when I realize that I don't have to be here, I'm, I'm, uh, the, this whole thing doesn't depend on me. It's the body of Christ that works together. 
And I actually am so blessed that we have people that can do all these different things so I don't have to be here. So I can take a, a vacation every now and then and take a, a Sunday off. But that's one thing I was speaking to uh, Pastor Jeff from the Springs Church and, and he ended up uh, taking like a, a month-long sabbatical. Oh, I can't wait till I can take one of those. <laughs> so he took like a month-long sabbatical and, and you know, one of the things he was concerned about was everything going to be all right? Is everything going to be fine? He came back and turns out the church ran just fine without him for a month. It's actually probably a little blow to the ego when you realize that everything doesn't, doesn't revolve around you. But the truth is, is that that's the way bodies work. Every part works together. And every part relies on one another. And sure, you feel it when one part's not working. But we can support one another as well. The problem is, is when nobody does their job. When the whole body breaks down, that's when people die, right? When all the organs shut down in a body, that's when people die. But you can, you can get by for a little by without stuff. But there is that impact when people aren't there. And the truth is, like I said, it seems like the smaller positions would have a greater impact. If I just didn't show up, any one of you could get up here and preach. Not all of you would, but any one of you could. The, 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 the preaching's not that difficult. <laughs> you might think it is, but that's probably one of the easier parts of my job is to get up here and yap in front of you for 45 minutes. But what if I would have got up and said, you know what? We don't need children's workers today. We're not going to do children's workers. Abby would probably be cussing at me, and I've got to remind her this is a this is a church. She can't use that kind of language, but she 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 would be upset because all her kids would be out here. You guys would all be stressed out because you couldn't hear anything because they're talking. It's hard to keep kids keep kids. Uh, it's not your kids in particular. It's all kids. Don't get all offended over there. Look, now she's going to be cussing at me anyway. Children's works are here. She's still mad. Anyway, the uh, but but the kids get restless, and as entertaining as I am. I don't know if I could keep them going for 45 minutes. So you guys are easy. You'll just be quiet and go to sleep if I'm bad. But the kids, they're not going to put up with it. So, uh, yeah, we'd have an issue if I said that. Or, or what if I said we don't need the worship team today? How many of you guys would like to worship without a worship team? Nobody would get started. It'd be awkward. I got a worship team and I can't get you guys to clap half the time. What if there was nobody here? What do you think would happen if I decided we didn't need anybody here to clean anymore? Like the garbage collectors going on strike, it wouldn't take too long for this place to become a disaster. And uh, you guys really should thank uh, Marty and Norma and, and who else comes in and still helps out with your, just you two. You guys should thank them on a regular basis because even when it's, it's not your place, you guys are gross sometimes and <laughs> filthy and leave stuff around. I've been in here and looked around and went, Man, they're going well, to quit on me one of these days. So uh, thank them. Because they, they don't ever get recognition, but they do, they do more in this church than probably anybody else keeping this place clean. <laughs> Norma too. <laughs> That's the thing though, is that every part is needed. Every part is important. And if you're ever asked to serve in an area which you don't want to serve in or you don't think is, is good enough or you wanted something better, remember what Paul says. Is he says the things that, that uh, uh, we think are less honorable, what does it say right here? He says, on the parts that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. 
And then the other thing to remember is, is that many people, are, we talk about God's calling and, and people, if I ask somebody to do something, like, wait a minute, that was you, Pastor Wayne, not God. How, that's not what God's calling me to do. That's what you're calling me to do. I'm certain God didn't clean me to, call, to, to clean the toilets. But the thing is, is that how many you know that, that God, are gonna, God will speak to you through godly men and women, the leaders in your life? Especially those who are discipling you. Those who are pouring into you and helping you grow. And then we need to remember as a body, as, the, as each and every individual has success, we have success as a body. That's why we rejoice if the others are rejoicing. And, and we actually, we suffer together as well because we are one body. And God has called us to work together regardless of the different positions, regardless of the different uh, things that we're doing. We are one body. And we will be successful together, amen? But then the question that comes up is always asked, what if it's not my calling? How many of you know that sometimes you have to do stuff that's not your calling? That's, that's not what, 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 what was your purpose for life. Sometimes we still have to do those things. Now the first thing, if we read 2 Timothy 4-5, through as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. This is actually, I think the order is pretty good too. You know, if we're trying to get to fulfill our ministry, our calling, what God wants us to do, we've got to do some things first. First, you need to be sober-minded. What does that mean? That means we need to take things seriously. Not be clouded or distracted. You know, the, the phrasing here, being sober-minded, is easy uh, to think about when you think of, of, what does it mean to be sober? Well, um, and a good way to think about it would be, what does it mean to be intoxicated? When you're intoxicated, you can't think straight. You can't function correctly. Bodily functions begin to evade you depending on how, how bad it gets. And, and your head's not thinking right. You can't see straight. You don't remember. You start uh, getting headache. You know, all those things when you're intoxicated. So being sober-minded would be the opposite of that. To be sober, that would mean to have your, your head clear, to have your head focused, not to be under the influence of something else. Keeping your mind on God. So keep Keep your, we, first, we need to be sober-minded. We need to keep our eye on the prize. We need to be focused on God and not be distracted or intoxicated by all the other things that happen in life. Some of you know it's easy to be intoxicated by the cares of life. It's easy to be distracted by those other things. So on your way to fulfilling your, your, your ministry, the first thing you need to do is, is make sure that you're sober-minded. And sometimes that, that's not going to be easy. Sometimes you're going to question God. Why is He having you doing these things? Endure suffering. Nobody wants to endure suffering. That means sometimes when your eyes on the prize, you're focusing on God, you're going to do stuff that's not fun. He says endure suffering. Sometimes you have to go through that. Then he says do the work of the, of the evangelist. This is an interesting one to me because I'm not an evangelist. I, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. That's what God's called me to be. I think that's what was happening with Timothy. Timothy was, was a pastor. He wasn't an evangelist. Being an evangelist wasn't his calling. But what did Paul tell him? Do the work of an evangelist. Sometimes you have to do stuff that you're not called to do because that stuff has to get done. If nobody ever got saved, if nobody was ever evangelized, there would be nobody to pastor. So sometimes you have to do stuff that you don't want to do. And then finally, he says, fulfill your ministry. So sometimes you've got to keep your eye on the prize. Be focused, sober-minded. Don't get distracted. Don't get intoxicated by other cares. 
endure suffering because sometimes it's hard. Do the work of an evangelist. Sometimes do stuff you're not supposed to do. And finally, fulfill your ministry. See, Paul had gone through the steps with Timothy that, that we have tasked ourselves to go through with, with everyone who becomes a part of the, the local body, right? He was there when he was led to the Lord. He was evangelized, led to the Lord. And then he equipped him. He walked alongside of him. He trained him. He discipled him. And then finally, he had empowered him to fulfill his calling. And then he reminded him, now you're empowered to step out, but it's going to take some work. Be focused, sober-minded, Endure a little bit of suffering if that happens. Do stuff that, that, that maybe you're not called to do, but that needs to get done. And then finally, fulfill your ministry. That was actually a command to Timothy to fulfill his ministry. He had to do these things. This is him being instructed. And we want to encourage people to fulfill their ministry as well. As a church, we want to walk beside you. We want to equip you, disciple you, encourage you, empower you. And then watch you step out under the ministry that God has called for you. And part of that is taking that first step. I believe the first step to, to, to actually stepping out into your calling is to begin to work in another man's field. Learn the ropes. Luke 16 through 12 says, And if you have not been faithful in, which, in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? That's a pretty profound statement. So many people want to step out and do their own thing and skip all the steps below. They want to skip the growing. They want to skip, skip the hard times, the suffering. They want to skip the parts, you know, and the suffering, the stuff that they, they, they didn't want to do. And they just want to step out into what their idea of what God wants them to do. The truth is, is if you're skipping all the, the other parts, probably the idea in your head is not exactly what God wants you to do. That's what you want to do. You want to be the big name. You want to be in light. You want to do all these things. But the truth is, is that if we want to be trusted with something big, if we want to be trusted with something big for God, we need to be faithful in something smaller, something that, which is in others. When I first uh, learned of the call that God had on my life, I didn't immediately that day go out and start a church. But I served under my pastor for many years and trained and was discipled and was getting ready so that when I stepped out that I would be equipped and be prepared to do what God called me to do. And I did that by serving in his ministry, whatever he needed me to do, whether that was lay tile, uh, uh, do sound stuff, be on the worship team, sweep the floors, put chairs away. I didn't care what it was. I was going to serve. And then after a while... As I was faithful in that which was another's, that was his ministry, God then allowed me to step out into my own. I was released and then empowered to fulfill my own. And the thing is, is that when we trust God and when we're faithful, he will make sure that he's with us every step. When we, when we follow things the right way, he's going to ensure that you get what you need. God is not going to send you out somewhere and not provide the resources and provide the people and provide the stuff that you need to fulfill your ministry. God is not in the business of setting you up to fail. I think many times when we, when we fail in these large areas is because we ended up stepping out on our own vision instead of what God wanted us to do. We skip some of the steps and we decide what's good for us and not good for the kingdoms. But the reality is, is that if you're faithful with a little bit, God will give you more. 
In Matthew 25, 20 through 29, it says, and he, had received the five, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. There I made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And also, he also had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me to me two talents, and I have made you two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. And here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he who will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So you guys remember uh, this story started with a master going out of town. So he gave some, some money to his servants to invest while he was gone. And the first was given five talents. And he went ahead and, and he took that five talents and he invested it. And he did the right thing and he doubled his money. And, and the master said, good and faithful servant. And the second one, he had two talents. And he went and invested that and he got two talents back. And he said, good, the master said, good and faithful servant. One, I want you to know that, that the, the response of the master has little to do with what you were given, with the amount of what you were given, but what you did with what you were given. Amen? So you be faithful with a little and God is still happy. You notice that the one that returned five didn't get a higher applause than the one that only returned two. They got the same, the same applause because they, they did just as well. But the one who, who just got the one talent, one, he had a misunderstanding of, of, of who his master was. He said, no, you, you reap where you don't sow and you gather where you plant no seed. He, he had this idea of his master that was not accurate to who his master was. And the same thing happens with us with God. We, we begin to not understand who God is, so we, we, we uh, ascribe to him attributes that aren't actually his. And then he only got one talent. I wonder if the reason why he didn't invest is like, you know what, this is nothing. I'm not going to mess around with this. And he just buried it in the yard. I, I wonder if it's because he's like, why did all these other guys get so much more than myself? Maybe he was upset. He definitely misunderstood who his master was, so he just buried it and did nothing. He wasn't faithful with even the little that he was given. And because of that, it was taken away and given to somebody else. But it was given to the one who was faithful. You know, that's the thing is that when we start out in ministry, if we're faithful in something which is smaller or which isn't our own, which is, which is another, you know, you might, the guy with the one talent may not have been happy because he was given so little, just like the person working in another's ministry might not be happy because he's not doing the things that he wants. But if you're faithful in that, God will help you step out into what his calling is for you. And the interesting thing is, is that when you do step out in your ministry, you guys know the principle of reaping and sowing? How you behave in another person's ministry, how you operate, how you act, will actually end up coming back on you as well. You will reap what you sow. And every one of us knows this. We see it in our kids. 
We see it in our, our jobs. We see, I mean, how many of you have watched your kids repeat the very same things that you did even though you didn't want them to? <laughs> We're going to go to the judges on that. <laughs> but, uh, but if we're faithful with little, God is faithful. And the truth is, is that as a church, we're supposed to empower faithful men. 2 Timothy um, 2, 1 through 5 says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share and suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him and an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Paul first tells Timothy to fulfill his ministry, but then he says, then go find more people to train them up and empower them to fulfill their ministry. This idea of, of evangelizing, equipping, and empowering people to step out into ministry to replicate into others is a biblical principle. And it's the very same thing that, that Paul was teaching Timothy. And he wanted Timothy to go ahead and repeat what he was doing. And the truth is, is that, that the cycle should be continued. This is what discipleship is. It's helping people to grow. And he gave similar instructions to Titus. In Titus 1.5, he says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you may, might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. This idea of replicating and helping people grow and equipping them and training them and empowering them to step out into ministry is something that, that Paul uh, wrote to both of his pastors that were underneath him. And it's something that we're doing because it's what we're called to do. It's a biblical thing to do. Amen? These two men, Tim, Timothy and Titus, were Paul's spiritual children. And he was reproducing himself in them. And the truth is, is that once you're empowered and once you step out, that's what you should be doing as well. When you, when you uh, get to where you're supposed to be going, where God sends you to where you're supposed to be going, you haven't arrived. You just have more work to do. You have to replicate into others. And if you're not doing that, if you're not discipling others, if you're not helping others grow, if you're not equipping them and empowering them, then, then you're not doing what God called you to do either. And serving in the church isn't always easy. It's gonna, you're going to endure hardship. That's what he says here. Don't get involved in other stuff. No soldier gets entangled. Or So share in suffering as a good soldier of, of Christ Jesus. That means that you serve regardless of what's going on. You're going to deal with some stuff. And then he says no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits because his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. How many know that when you're serving in the army of God, you're serving, uh, uh, serving the kingdom of heaven, we're not supposed to get distracted by the other stuff around us, right? It kind of follows off of that uh, be sober-minded. Don't be intoxicated by the things of this world. So he's telling Timothy, act like a soldier. Do what you're ordered to do. And go ahead and fulfill what you, you, you've done. And he finishes with an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. I mean, you know, that means that there's no cheating. There's no shortcuts. There's no getting around stuff. You've got to put in time. You've got to endure. You've got to do those things. You have to serve in somebody else's field before you're given your own. You have to endure some tough times and do some stuff that you don't want to do. But in due time, you will reap. God will take care of you and, and, and get you to where you want to be. You know, a soldier is only concerned with what his commander wants him to do. He has a one-track mind. A good soldier has a one-track mind. He's there to complete a mission. And that should be the mind that we have. 
to, to complete that mission for God, what he has for us to do. And I would encourage you, for all of us, let's have the same attitude amongst ourselves so that we would have a one-track mind to serve God and do what he wants us to do. And our culture as a church is to do that, is to help support people into what God has called them to do. We want to support you and, and what you believe that God is telling you to do in your life. Amen? And then we'll end here today on Matthew 10.1. Um, it's where Jesus sets the example for us. And in Matthew 10.1, it says, And he called to him his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Jesus is, one, is the one who set the example for how we're supposed to be operating as a church. First, he evangelized the disciples, right? He brought them on board. He went out and got them. He evangelized them. And then he spent time with them. He trained them. He worked with them. He taught them. They were involved in what he was doing. He was involved in what they were doing. And he helped them grow. He traveled with them. And they learned from him. And they made the choice to follow him. They made the choice to spend time with him so that they could learn and that they were growing. Notice that the, one of the requirements is you have to spend time with the people that are discipling you, that you're learning from, that you want to grow from. And then they got to a point where he empowered them. He sent them out. And he gave them authority to step out on their own. And this authority they gave him, this is the same authority that's been given to us, the same authority that we operate in today to go out and fulfill our ministries. And we follow in Jesus' example. The truth is that there's people in this room right now that God has called to be preachers and teachers and evangelists. Even in this small room, there are those of you that have been called. There are those who will, who will go out and plant churches. There are those who will go out and have uh, evangelical ministries and reach people. But right now, you're in training. Right now, you're being discipled. You're growing. For some of you, you're discipling others. That's part of your calling. Your ministry is to pour into others. You're helping others grow. You're encouraging others. But we're all being equipped. And we're serving in somebody else's field so that God will entrust us with our own. Amen? And the cycle continues. And as a church, we want to support that. We want to help people grow. We want to help them do what God has called them to do. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. I always want to give an opportunity for people to respond. Because here's the reality. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. God loved you so much. And He wanted to have a relationship with you so much that he sent his son to give his life on the cross to pay for every penalty, every failure, every mistake that you've ever made. The truth is there's nothing any one of us can do to make ourselves right with God. We're born broken. And every single one of us have sinned. Every single one of us have fallen short. And every single one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, know that we don't measure up. And the reality is, as the Bible says, that uh, there's no way that we can make up for that on our own. There's nothing that we can do on our own power to make ourselves right with God. 
So God sent his son to give his life for you. And he gave it up freely to pay the penalty for your sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And that means that if you sin, death is required. That is the penalty for sin. So he sent his son to die that death for you, to pay that penalty for you. That if you would receive that free gift, that, that if you would receive what he did for you, that you would be right with God. Jesus took your place so that you could take his in newness of life. So I want to give an opportunity if, if this morning, whether online or here in the room, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never received that free gift of salvation, if you want to be right with God, I want to give you that opportunity. And I just want to say, go ahead and, and, and pray this prayer with me right now. In church, we can, we can all go ahead and pray this together. If you're watching online, pray this prayer with me. And, uh, and afterwards, if that's you, just go ahead and let us know. But let's pray this prayer right now. Father, we, we thank you. And you, if you're in the church, just go ahead and nod in agreement, or pray in agreement with me. Father, we thank you for your son, that he freely gave his life for me, that he, that he gave it uh, uh, with no expectation of anything in return, but he died the death that I should have died. He paid the price for my sins and then he rose again on the third day so that I would have a brand new life. So Jesus, I, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I, I just take this free gift of salvation and I thank you that you've made me new. I thank you that you've forgiven me of all of my sins and that you've made me righteous. In Jesus' name, amen.